So in moving forward, what we're looking at over this series is how best in moving forward do we follow this Jesus that we've given our lives to? So my question, one of my questions is, did anyone take up or engage in this, this process of listening to Jesus in the last two weeks? Has anyone done this? I'm, I'm hoping that when I stand up here, I can, I can see some hands. It's good. I talked about the islands of silence, of trying to find this place in your life that allows God to talk to you. And sometimes we need to close down the noise from the outside so we can actually hear God. And I think that's what we need to, to, to get to. This morning, we're talking about talking to Jesus. This is the next one. If we're going to move forward, we need to talk to Jesus. Now, when you put the two together, you get prayer, don't you? That's, that's listening and talking. So basically, today, we're going to be looking at prayer. Okay. But one of the things I've observed in my ministry, uh, in my time of ministry, there seems to be this certain amount of guilt that's involved when I talk to people when we discuss praying. And... Um, people's prayer lives and I think that's really sad but I I, I get and I hear these confessions from people I just don't pray enough now I won't ask you to put up your hands but I guarantee maybe even half of you here would say that in the room I just don't pray enough and I think that's really sad because the invitation in moving forward in in having a relationship with God is the process of talking to him, listening and talking. Um, And I think this sense that I just don't pray enough, it causes people to have this sense of guilt. And, you know, guilt is not part of the Christian walk. God does not want us to be guilty. And what the guilt does is then it closes us down even more to stop talking to him because we think we're bad. Hold on. We've just gone down in this huge spiral And our relationship is at ends with each other, isn't it? Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you get that sense? Yeah? Okay. Now, to some people, it's not so much a guilt. Maybe it's a sadness. It's a sadness. This sense of uh, being, you know, just feeling dejected within yourself because you find it so hard to do and and it makes you feel down and uh, maybe even feeling a bit of a failure. And that's not right either. That's not where God wants you to go when he talks about prayer. I believe there's two reasons that contribute to these thoughts, okay, of guilt and failure. One is spiritual and the other is what I'm going to talk to you about of of unspoken expectations that we have around prayer, around talking to Jesus. So let me show you some verses. First, I want to say this. The spiritual comes from the very things that Paul talks about here. Can you read that? Paul says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins. I love the word were. Okay? Were. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, it's the devil, the spirits now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. See, Paul tells us here about the world, the flesh, and the devil. And Paul is saying all three are against you when it comes to talking to God 
Well, when it comes to your whole Christian life, all three are against you. None of the three, in the light of prayer, want you to talk to God. They're constantly warring with you to stop you from getting into his presence. These three, the world, the flesh and the devil, are going to keep you out of his presence as much as possible. Now, the world, what does he mean by by, uh, the course of this world? Well, he's talking about just daily life. The expectations that we put upon ourselves, our careers, our material possessions, just the pace of life that we live in and the many things that just, just distract us. You know, whether it's the appointments we have or the noise that's around us or the many commitments that we set ourselves up for. Maybe that's why it's termed the rat race. Because that's what happens. We feel like it's a rat race. And we get caught up in that. That's what Paul talks about here, the course of this world. It's not that I don't want to think about God. It's just that I'm always thinking about other things. Maybe that's what it is. You get to the end of the day and you go, I haven't even thought about God. Now, it's not that you didn't want to. But it's just there was so much happening. that I just didn't get time. Then there's the flesh. That's the old nature within, uh, within us. It's called the flesh, Paul talks about. He calls it the sinful nature. It's our desire to be the boss of ourselves, to take control, to look after myself, to trust in me, and me to have the power over everything else around me. That's the flesh that Paul talks about. It's what caused Adam and Eve to remove from the presence of God in the garden at the beginning. And it's what keeps us out of his presence today. It's this which is within us. Now, your human nature wants to be in charge. And I think as a believer, as a believer, even though it has been crucified with Christ, Paul tells us that, it's up on the cross. The problem with the flesh, it keeps getting down again and taking control again. And we then have this, this, this wrestle with the, the old nature, the old man is the other word that Paul talks about within us, fights against the things of God and his desires. And Paul spoke about this in Romans 7. Um, He says, the things I don't want to do, I do. The things I do want to do, I don't. Wretched man that I am, he says, who will deliver me from this body of death. See the tussle he's having? And you can hear his frustration in those words. This is hard work. It keeps taking control. And then there's the devil. Well, he doesn't want you to talk to the enemy at all. His enemy, that is. Because our God is our Heavenly Father, isn't he? He's your provider. He's your captain. But the enemy does not want you to be a part of that relationship and in that conversation. Paul said it this way. Our struggle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Every morning you get up, that's what you confront. That's out to get you. That's out to take you out of conversation with your heavenly father. He's out to take you out. The devil has to communicate with God. I'll just say that again. The devil has to communicate with God. He knows how real God is. That's why he does not want you to communicate with God. I think he almost he has a greater sense of the reality of God than you and I actually understand. 
and no. There's no way he wants you to be in God's presence. And he'll do everything he can to keep you out of earshot from your heavenly father. Everything he can. So you have the, uh, you know, the, the world pressing in from the outside. You have the flesh rising up from the inside. And it's kind of like the devil and his workers just sort of stoke the fire. Keep the world pressing in on you. Keep your flesh rising up within you. And, wow, I get into bed at night and go, I don't think I've even chatted with God today. Where was that? Where was the conversation? You see, we're fighting against this unholy threesome. And they're constantly battling against you for your attention and your time and your energy. And that in itself is draining. No wonder it's so hard to find time to talk to God. No wonder it's so hard. But there's something else that also battles against us. And it's something I believe we've created ourselves. And I call it the expectations that we've placed upon ourselves in what it means to pray. What it means to pray. Let me give you an illustration. As a little kid back in the 60s, my mum used to take me to the little local Gaimir Congregational Church. And I'd go there as a little tacker. I'd sit in those really hard pews with all those really old people. I hated it. I hated it. It was hard going there. My dad didn't come. He stayed at home and worked in the garage. I wanted to be with my dad back at home. I had to go to church. Anyway, the thing that I found out about praying, and it made me wonder a lot about prayer, is the big words they used. They were using words I had no clue of. I mean, I'm all of 10 that I, I'm, I'm trying to recall this. You know, They used words I never heard of. They used long prayers. I thought, wow, you've got to have a good Wind energy to get through all of this when you talk to God. He must be, you know, gets an earful. I don't tell you, I get a mouthful. They used an accent that I didn't hear at home. And I think I called it the, well, I know now, it was the King James Version accent when they prayed. And that was weird because my parents never spoke like that at home. But when they got to the church or these people, that was the accent they spoke in. And you had to close your eyes. I never understood that. You know, nowhere in the Bible have I found anywhere it says you must close your eyes when you pray. That's interesting, isn't it? But I had to have my eyes closed. You close your eyes. Now, all that built my understanding of what prayer was like. And so when I finally became a Christian at 15, I kind of thought, well, that's what I've got to do. Speak this way, long, windy, wordy. Hey, hold on. Is that what prayer is? Is that what? Really? Come on. So I want to show you a video, and I think it's a good depiction of how some people feel when they pray. No. Thank you. Hit that one. So what now, God? I'm tired of failing. I cannot live like this anymore. And this prayer thing, I really don't know how to do it. Are you even listening? I mean, I pray for financial help. Things aren't getting better. I pray for guidance and making decisions, but decisions aren't getting easier. I pray for my relationships to improve, but they're just getting worse. Would you talk to me? 
can't hear you. I can't smell you. I can't touch you. I can't feel you. Would you just please talk to me? What do you want me to do? I'll do it. You want me to read more? You want me to pray more? Is that what you want? Fine. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. I don't even know what that means. What, a kingdom of justice? Of equality? Of freedom? What? A kingdom of french fries and sour cream? Of cucumbers? Of what? Because all I know is this dirty old rotten world. Where is this kingdom? And is this all there is? Right here, right now? Is this all I'll ever know? What do you want from me, God? Would you talk to me? Are you even listening? Has anyone had an experience like that? Come on, talk to me. I, I get this feeling that this young guy had not talked with God as real as this for a long time. This is the guy getting real. You see, he's thrown away all the our father, kingdom, all the big words, and he's finally fallen to the ground and going, hey God, where are you in all of this? What is happening? I think this could be Jesus finally hearing this guy's heart and finally having his attention. But I believe this is what God wants in our conversations with him. He wants our attention. He wants us to be real. He wants us to be genuine. He wants us to be authentic when you talk to him. He wants you to be true. You know, we have a glimpse into what Jesus prayed like, and I love this. Have a look at it. Jesus prayed while he lived on earth. He made his appeal with loud cries and tears. There you go. A little bit of insight the writer of Hebrews gives us. Jesus prayed with loud cries and tears. He prayed to the one who could save him from death. God heard him because he truly honoured God. You know, we often think of Jesus, even my preconceived ideas of Gaimere Congregational Church, you know, oh, holy God, thank you. It's not like that. You can just imagine Jesus crying out and bawling over the things that are happening around him. He was engaged, not just here, but emotionally. He was caught up in this relationship with God. He would remove himself from the disciples early in the morning to seek out his father and open his, up his heart to him. That's what God wants from us in our talking. Do we engage at that level? You see, this guy's prayer in this video, it's raw, it's real. It's him coming to grips with where he's at and he's talking to God about it. And it's, this is what I believe God invites us into. He wants to engage your head and your heart. He wants you to talk to him. So my question to, do is the, to you is this. What have you been told or have had demonstrated to you about prayer from your Christian upbringing that causes you to feel that you might not be good enough when you pray to God? Because you've got to get rid of that. That's the baggage you do not need and the devil will use as the bullet to take you out. 
What religious rituals have you created that as you're feeling and believing, as you feeling and believing that prayer is difficult? Prayer is not difficult. The reason you need to ask this question is because if you're measuring your ability to pray by an incorrect teaching, then you really set yourself up for the fall before you even start. And that's what we do. Let me tell you that the invitation and the desire of Jesus for you to talk to him is free and open. And you can do this with unhindered head, heart and hands. Unhindered. You can be caught up in unrestrained conversation with your saviour and your maker. And just go for it with him. I mean, God loves to hear the voice of his children. God loves to hear your voice. I've got a son, he's 26, Jaden. He lives in Melbourne. And as a good single 26-year-old, he doesn't ring his dad very often. Oh. But you know, when he does ring, I love it. We chat. We finally get to talk. And then he's gone again. And I might not hear from him for another three weeks. (laughs) He's not even good with texting. (laughs) God loves to hear you. How does he feel about the conversations you have with him? Don't get me wrong. I'm not implying to be irreverent in your conversations with God. I don't want you to go there. We do need to always approach God in a manner that gives honour to his name. But there's no need to do it in such a way that it's just not you or is a false depiction of who you really are. God wants you to be real with him and to truly engage. Now, I want to just show you a parable that Jesus told about praying and what he desires for you. And hopefully this will help you to understand what he wants. Okay? He told them a parable that he is Jesus to the effect that they are always to pray and not lose heart. This is why Jesus is telling you this parable, okay? That you ought to always pray and not lose heart. He said this, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. Okay, this is the judge. This is not God, by the way, okay? So don't get caught out on that. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Now, she's a persistent woman. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Jesus says he told the parable, illustrating to them, to always pray and not lose heart. Can you see that first verse? That's his word to you this morning. Always pray and do not lose heart. To lose heart describes a believer that gets so discouraged they just want to quit. Do you ever feel like that? Do you just want to quit? God's message to you is this. 
pray. Don't give up. That's what lose heart's all about. That means don't give up. Can you hear Jesus' words to you? He's saying, don't quit praying. Don't quit talking to me. I want you to phone me like I want my son, Jaden, to phone me. God's going, bring it on. Let's talk. I know that when things are hard and they seem to be going against you and the, the pressure's on, it's easy just to give up. But, you know, that's what the devil wants. He wants you to give up. But Jesus told this very parable so that you don't. Jesus' answer is pray. And then pray some more and some more and some more and some more. Don't give up, he said. Just keep going. Keep talking to me about it. In fact, Jesus told them this parable so that they always are to pray. See what he's saying? But there's important things to know when interpreting this parable. Because when I first, I remember reading it as a young kid and I thought, wow, is that what God's like? Well, I had the whole thing twisted and wrong. Let me just give you some interpretation here. The first thing to realise this parable is a parable of contrasts. This is, the judge is not like God and the woman is not like you. It's a parable of contrasts. Let me explain to you. Jesus is telling this parable to show us that God is nothing like this judge. Unless you realise this, you might get the idea that God must be argued or bribed into answering prayer. And that's so far from the truth. God is attentive to your every cry. He's generous in his gifts. He's concerned about your every need. And he's ready to answer when we call out to him. The judge here only answered this woman's request because he was worried about himself and his reputation. God's not like that. The truth about God is that he answers your prayer for his glory and for your good. God is not like this judge. He's not irritated. He's not annoyed. He doesn't get snappy when you come to him. Stop annoying me. In fact, I believe Jesus told this parable about the persistent widow to invite us to enter into prayer as naturally and as regularly as you'd breathe. That's prayer. That should be our prayer. Now, I don't think you think about breathing very often. You just do it naturally. That's what God wants us here to do. Pray and don't give up. Breathe. Likewise with prayer, it should be the natural habit of our lives. It should be the atmosphere in which we constantly live. It's to be honest and open conversation, like talking to someone you love. I love talking to Fee. I love it when the kids are occupied and we get to sit and talk. Now, she could be chopping up stuff in the kitchen. No, I bring the stool in and sit in the kitchen, I've got her attention and off we go, we chat away I love that well, God wants you to bring the stool, sit with him that's the invitation that Jesus is giving us here to talk with him unrestrained and open, what marriage can survive if you don't have conversation? It's the same with our 
walk with God. He wants you to engage in conversation with him as naturally as you do with those that you love. Now, the other point that Jesus wants us to note from this parable is he does not see you like the unrighteous judge saw the woman. In fact, God sees us opposite again. Are you listening? It is because we are not like her, we should be encouraged in our praying. It is because we are not like her. Have a look here. Oh, hopefully you can read that. The woman was a stranger. We are children of God and he cares for his children. He cares for you. The woman had no access to the judge. We have open access into his presence. The woman had no friend in court to help. We have a saviour in heaven who is an advocate for us and the high priest. The woman had no promises to claim. We have God's word and the Holy Spirit to assist us. The woman came to a court of law. We come to the throne of grace. The throne of grace. The woman pleaded out of her poverty and we out of all of God's riches that are available to meet our every need. Wow. That's the privilege we have in coming to our God. Jesus is saying, if she got what she deserved from a selfish judge, how much more will God's children receive what is right from our loving Heavenly Father? That's the invitation we have. Now, there's a verse in this parable that you might be asking, how do you explain that one? (laughs) Verse 8. I tell you, he will not give justice to them speedily. Mm. See, you might be saying, well, if that's the case, then why are there delays when I pray for things? Why aren't I seeing the prayer answered? His answer to that is keep praying, keep praying. I believe it comes down to this. You need to know that God delays, or God's delays, are not delays of inactivity, but of preparation. God's delays is not that he is inactive, but he is preparing. God is not caught up in time. He is over time. He knows the past, the present, and the future. He knows how your praying affects your destiny, and he will work for your best. So if your first desire is to want him to be your God, then you must leave his best for you to the outcomes that you want. Is that right? If you think he's God and he's in charge, then you've got to go, well, you're in charge. You know why I'm not getting what I'm praying for. If you're the boss. If I take control, that would be probably different because I want it now. I don't want to go through this pain. I don't want to be going through the situation I'm in. I want it now. But God's not a God of inactivity. He knows what you're praying for. You see, God's answers to your prayers can come in four different ways. Let me give you the four. Go, slow, grow, or no. (laughs) Think about it. I'll start with the no because that's the hardest. No. (laughs) No is always the hardest, isn't it? Let me just ask you this question, though. Mums, you've just cooked a fantastic, healthy meal right there, all to be served 10 minutes before dinner. Your eight-year-old son walks in and says, can I have a bowl of ice cream? 10 minutes. 
What are you going to say? No. Why is that? You're mean. You're mean. I want ice cream. I'll eat my dinner. Come on. No. No, we're not going to talk about this. You're not having ice cream before dinner. If you eat all your dinner, you'll get it after. That's the conversation, isn't it? You say no, but is denying bad? No. Denying's not bad. Because you know the greater consequences of giving that now will spoil what's to come. Is that true? That's right. So he'll say go as if, okay, you want it, you can have it. Here it is. He'll say um, slow as it's coming, but let's just let that work itself out. He'll say grow as, yeah, you're going to get it. It's going to be hard, but boy, are you going to mature in this? Or no? Now, that's the journey of it, isn't it? But let me show you a verse that gives even more insight into why God delays sometimes uh, some things for our growth. And you know this verse really well. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. You know, when people are going through difficult times, it's not the verse you pull out and throw. Is that right? But let me just challenge you on a few things here. You see, it's a verse that gets used very often. But if you understand what Paul's saying, then this verse actually can be quite strengthening. For a start, see the first all? And we know that for those who love God, all things, all things. Can I say all things doesn't have to mean good things? And often we bring the word good and put it up into all things. You know, all things could be difficult things. All things could be painful things. For those who love God, painful things work together for good. Could be tough things. Could be maturing things. Challenging things. All these work together for good. And this could take time to do. Could take time to do. And why do we go through these all things? What's the outcome of the God working all these things together for his good? To produce what? Well, it's in that second verse. So that you can be formed into the image of his son. See, all things work together for good so you can be like Christ. He knows what the all is in the needed of your prayer, in the needed of the forming of who you are. So that you can be formed in the image of his son. That's where God wants you. He wants you to be like Jesus. God wants the best for you. And he will allow whatever is needed in your life to bring about his son's image in you. Now, there's many illustrations in Scripture, but the one that stands out to me the most is 2 Corinthians 12, where three times Paul goes before God and prays, please remove this thorn. He has this problem and he wants God to get rid of it. And God says to him, you know, I'm going to leave it there, Paul. Because I know that this will grow you. Three times, Paul. Now, if anyone's going to pray, you think Paul would get it? No. Nah. God's going, no, I'm going to actually use this in the grow department. And you are going to have this thorn and it's going to take you into my presence every time you feel it in you. 
because he wants him to be like Jesus. And sometimes the thorn has to be there. You see, we need to do as Jesus said in this parable. Pray and do not give up. We need to talk to him. Let me show you the second video clip and read these words carefully. Thanks. Prayer is an encounter with God. Prayer is a relationship with our Creator. Prayer is an aliveness to God. It's the vital breath of the believer's soul. It's not intended to be a guilt trip. It's just an attempt to say that we're created to enjoy sacred communion with God. And we can enjoy the mysterious mingling of our personality with God's personality. He meant us to see Him and to live with Him and to draw our life from His life. But that cannot happen in the fullness that Christ offers without prayer. 
I don't want it to be a guilt trip this morning. That's the last thing. We are here receiving the freedom and the purpose that Jesus offers. There is no freedom in guilt. It's the opportunity for you to come. It's the opportunity for you to just breathe with God. Talk to him in your day. How do we get real? How do we take action? Well, you need to go home and consider how you pray, I suppose. Have a think about it. Remember, though, the war for your heart is to take you out of prayer. That's the big call here. The devil does not want you to do this. So you are already in a war. The victory is ours. We're going to be sharing communion now. And this is where the victory comes. In remembering what Christ has done for us on the cross. It's a wonderful reality. What we're remembering here. These are just emblems. Bit of juice. Bit of bread. But what they stand for is the reality that you and I can enter into the presence of God and talk to him. At any point of the day. In fact... You never step out of the presence of God. You choose to enter it. His presence is everywhere. So chat away. Talk to him. Involve him. The devil doesn't want you to pray. You might need to ask yourselves, you know, what are the lies then the rituals that you've built up, the beliefs that cause you to struggle in your prayer? You need to seek freedom from these. And after communion, I'm going to be down the front to pray with those of you. If you would like prayer to break those rituals those things that hold you back from proper relationship with God get rid of the chains that stop from enjoying sacred conversation and take action and of course the only way to take action is actually to pray <laughs> I can't give you any other pray talk to God openly, confess your struggles open up to him you'll be amazed how simple it is we're going to share communion now. It is our opportunity to say thank you. Thank you, God, that I can talk to you. I might not see you eye to eye, but the spirit within reveals you completely to me. And that is the wonderful thing. Our God created us for relationship. The Son has made it possible by his death on the cross. And the indwelling Holy Spirit gives us the words to cry out and to talk with. We have the Trinity. And we must ask the Trinity to revive us. Let's pray. Great God, we do thank you for all that you have given. Thank you for these emblems. The blood that pays the price. The body that was the sacrifice given. And in the death and the resurrection of Christ, we have new life. And we can enjoy the truth of the parable that Jesus spoke. You ought always to pray. Don't give up. We thank you for that, great God. We praise your name in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.